Good Friday morning, and then welcome to Two Coffees. Take some time out of your Friday to chill and think about the Toronto Blue Jays. You were probably doing it anyway with what you were doing with your time. I'm not accusing you of anything, but I'll be honest. If you're listening to this show, you're probably spending some of your spare time thinking about the Toronto Blue Jays. I know I sure as hell am, so it's time to take a couple of minutes here and talk about them while we're thinking about them. I'm your boy, the Zoobs. It's a pleasure to be here with you Friday morning on Less Than Jays. It is... Once again, an eventful week. This is two two coffees in a row, two trades to talk about coming into this show. Absolutely loving this uh, rhythm we're in here, Blue Jays and I, talking about deals every single time I sign in uh, to the show. Last week it was Matt Chapman. This week it's Rymel Tapia in exchange for Randall Gritchick. Uh, a lot of people getting there. Just trade Randall Gritchick. I don't care what for request approved by the front office. Gritchick going to Colorado. He is going to go and play every day. And you know what to expect from Randall Gritchick. When he plays every day, you're going to get about a 300 OBP and 25 to 30 home runs if he gets to 500 at-bats. That's probably easily in play in Coors. Uh, he's going to have the better line, almost certainly. It's Listen, it's also still going to double BB, like 98 WRC, maybe maybe 85, but you're, you're going to look at both of these. Tappy is probably going to be 85 to 75 as well. He's not going to be, uh, you know, it's not going to be a incredible power year unless they, you know, I don't know, change something about him as a, as a player from the ground up, which they could do. But you know what you're getting in Gritchick. You're getting a reliable, if unspectacular, right fielder that will do all the things to make you feel like it's not a disaster out there, which sometimes is all you can really ask. And passable center field to a level of you could survive a stretch of the season with him as your center fielder. You probably don't want it to be your 150 to 160 times he's your center fielder. That is a whole different conversation. But he can do it without the house setting on fire behind him. Going to make all the plays that need to be made and and basically not steal any, I think, is sort of the difference between a, a... passable center fielder and a good center fielder. Good center fielder probably steals you a few. Great center fielder steals you a bunch. But Gritchick out there, less about stealing a few and more about keeping everything in front of him that needs to stay in front of him. And that is about it. A decent arm, a corner outfield, right field arm uh, that transfers the ball well. Generally takes, um, you know, good roots with bad reaction times is sort of the Randall Gritchick outfield story. Uh, And, of course, the hitting story. I mean, you saw it. High exit velocity, lots of swings, lots of swing and miss, no walk rate, poor chase rate. Um, Actually cut his strikeout rate down in the last couple of years, but really heavy fly ball percentage, which is the recipe for hitting at Coors Field, is fly ball percentage. We all talked about it before he came here. The the peak was 15-16 when he had a really high hard hit rate and a higher K rate. He came in here just swinging at everything and... Anything in the zone, uh, he punished. But that's the Randall Gritchick story. I mean, you're going to get a, a, a OBP between 280 and 310, depending on how good or bad of a season that is. That's the difference between a win and a half and half a win. And the WRC+, plus, the OPS+, plus will be, be somewhere between 85 and 110. It's going to be it's gonna be 15, 115 if you want to. Give me 15 in either direction. That's the 30... 30-point window in swing and on base and in your sort of uh, weighted leverage stats. But the home runs are going to be there. The power is going to be there. 25 seems like a layup if he gets, as I said, to 500 at-bats. That has sort of been 
the cutoff for him in his career. Uh, last year, surprisingly, played 149 games, but uh, some of that was some pinch hitting. And listen, down the stretch, he certainly couldn't buy his way into the lineup. As for his fit here, yeah, he was going to be the fourth outfielder, maybe the fifth outfielder if you had upgraded, if you had added Tapia in any other context without getting rid of him, you push him even further down. It's, you know, he's somebody, and we had talked, we saw this in his time here. It's, you hate to use the word streaky because almost everybody is like good when they're good and bad when they're bad. But not a guy that I don't think works well getting the spot work. I think for him to be, I don't want to say at his best, but at, in a place that is productive, in a place where he can hit the 30 home runs, in the place where he can provide basically even value and you, you're reliably on him on the, in the outfield, uh, he needs to play. 150 times and get the 500 at-bats. He's not somebody that I think you're going to want to plug in there twice a week because then you're sort of only going to see the negative. And uh, I guess also the flip side of that is you see him every day and you sort of, it drives you nuts to see him every day. We have a, we have some feedback and some calls. People sort of more down on Gritchick than I think I obviously am based on what I'm saying. I, I, I understood sort of the player he was supposed to be and the, and the guy that he was for them in a transitory time when... Uh, 2018, 2019, they basically had no good players on the roster before they made the call-ups. He was somebody that they knew they could play anywhere at any time in any part of the lineup and get the same and get, you know, replacement value and slightly above value, which we talked about previously with the Chapman deal is the first step is taking all those positions where you're getting zero and get something. That is how Biggio fits in in second base. You're getting nothing. Let's get something. The next step is how do you take those low somethings and turn them into something great? I'm not saying Tapia is that move. I think there's probably more to come, but Gritchick wasn't going to get you far above replacement level, half a win maybe in that spotty role, in that halftime role, in that fourth outfield role. The risk here, of course, is that any sort of time is missed and Tapia is an everyday player and you're less happy with him than you are with some of the other options that, you know, with Gritchick, which is sort of a matter of taste. But what you're getting in Rymel Tapia, uh, a guy who hits the ball. Listen, you think it, it, it was sort of funny that people complaining and, you know, as you're right to do, there's always a there's always a player in Toronto that that gets the complaint. And uh, Gritchick, listen, I'll, I will make easily the either the most or second most uh, far away from the vibe that the team was going through. You got a lot of young, fun, carefree players. Uh, Grishik as sort of a veteran, surly about getting pushed out of the picture and not being good enough to play. Uh, just sort of a straight-faced guy who also like, you know, bad tweets, bad tweets. Um, easily either the most or second most uh, dislikable offensive player on the team, depending on your thoughts, I guess, on Reese McGuire. And that public, maybe that, maybe Reese makes is more of an everyman to you because he did that, and Gritchick isn't because he didn't. But uh, you know the book on Gritchick at this point, and people, I saw very, very happy, like, oh, finally we got rid of the guy who grounds into double plays when it matters. If you are sick of ground balls with Randall Gritchick, I have some sour news of what the package from Rymel Tapia looks like. Listen, on paper, left-handed bat. Uh, Left-handed bat, left-handed outfielder, 
um, going to provide some things that basically nobody else in the lineup currently provides. Uh, well above average contact skill, well above average speed, um, basically one of the best strikeout rates in the league in terms of doesn't strike out a ton, doesn't swing and miss a ton, which is sort of, he's very much the polar opposite of Gritchick, where Gritchick is uh, a lot of swing and miss, and it's all power, and the de de defensive value is sort of in, is in the everyday and in the transfer. Tapia is, puts his bat on everything, never hits the ball in the air. His defense comes from tracking things down he probably shouldn't get to, you know, those, those four and five star catches, those low catch probability ones but also isn't going to be gunning guys down and making outfield assists, sort of the, the very much the exact flip of what you are getting from Gritchick. You know, the, the, the outside of zone contact rate, he's top 10 in all of baseball, which is again to say he gets his bat on everything. It's, it's, it's just a crazy contact skill, 12th in the MLB in zone contact. Um, so he gets his ball, he gets the ball bat on absolutely everything. He also chases above average. Um, but makes contact out of the zone. So, again, swings at everything, gets his bat on everything. That, if you can probably tell, is a recipe for a lot of weak contact and putting the ball on the ground. So a lot of ground balls, a lot of weak contact, but that 81st percentile speed, he beats out. If you look at his hit chart, a lot of infield singles to the left side, a lot of slapping the ball the other way and then beating the throw to first. It's different than what you're getting in the rest of this lineup. And he's certainly not going to be a, have to be a guy who leads off or uh, sets the table. He's going to be, when he's in there at the bottom, um, again, one of the lowest launch rates ever recorded. I think a minus part launch, launch angle. His average launch angle was like minus four. So like he averaged hitting the ball straight into the ground uh, almost, almost 70% of the time he puts the ball on the ground, which is like startling. 20 points higher than the average major leaguer and putting the ball on the ground 12th uh 12% higher throughout his career so not a blip but only getting worse um but defensively as i said tracks down some things he probably shouldn't get to, get to plus, especially in left field um a plus defender in left field probably passable in center field course field center field is huge um so you know, we'll see. We'll see if if he can also man the Rogers Center. It's a little bit of a different beast. Um, but geez, I mean, the alternates like Teoscar Hernandez, who who has, you know, you know what you're getting. But also the sprint speed is also there for him defensively. It's it's good burst, good speed with average roots. Uh, there was a great piece in the Athletic. Caitlin McGrath went back and forth with the Colorado writer, and he sort of was describing the. Tapia tool set, a fan favorite guy from the way he, he plays. The ball is in play a lot. He is speedy. He is making things happen. Um, did caution that the speed is less. It's less of a stolen base speed and more of a first to third speed. He's a, he, he did steal 20 bag last year and does steal at a pretty high percentage. But you're going to see that. You're going to see his speed coming around a little bit more in first to third than you will in direct like stealing bases, you know, Ricky Henderson style back out there. So it's all a matter of your tastes. I would say sort of what, you know, right-handed power with swing and miss is something the Blue Jays are not lacking in the lineup. And speed and ball and play and uh, taking outs away in the outfield is something they were missing. I don't think it solves the what do we do when Springer's not here conversation. I don't think it solves the... Um, 
outfield logjam. Again, I guess it sort of does, and that the guys that you expect to play are going to play more. But it's not like he was better option against right-handed hitting than Lourdes Gurriel. Like you're not taking. I don't think you're taking Gurriel to line up a lot of the time to play Tapia unless Gurriel's in one of those zones where he's not playing well at all. But I mean, Gurriel hit right-handed batting pitching very well last year. He hit everything in the back half. Uh, last year so it's a matter of taste it's a matter of fit is sort of the, the time has come on great that they, they technically save money but i do believe uh i say technically it's not right at all technically they're not saving money because they are paying i think they are paying the amount on Gritchick's remaining salary to offset what they are picking up in tapia who makes about half as much that is the deal also in the deal uh in field prospect uh, Adrian Pinto, who, uh, depending on who you ask, is my, one of my favorite kinds of prospect hype is that uh, Adrian Pinto is a legit prospect with great tools, was the uh, Summer League MVP in one of the uh, Caribbean leagues, uh, but also was not listed anywhere among the Rockies' top prospects. And hey, those lists, publicly available lists aren't real, and Ross and Mark have a great eye for talent. It's a, it's a huge flyer. You're talking about a teenager playing uh, below a ball. We will see. But player development has been the calling card. It could be the next Aravis Martinez, who is now 20 years old, and everyone is absolutely drooling all over. So Adrian Pinto is the prospect hall. Whew. That is a lot about a pretty small deal. Let's take a voicemail. Hi, this is Bryn. Uh, I'd just like to say that I'm very happy that I never have to watch Randall Gritchick ground into a double play again. Thanks. All right. Uh, that is, I mean, listen, that's that's the consensus a lot of people had about Randall Gritchick. I was not as down on him as I think a lot of people were. When I looked at that and I said, that's the guy that's coming in to spell, uh, to spell Springer, and that's the guy that's coming in to play right field instead of Teoscar or to let things move around defensively to get Lourdes off the field, I really had no problem with Randall Gritchick in that role. As a as a fourth slash dream world fifth outfielder, you could frankly do a lot worse. A guy that will be below average, but run into a few here and there and 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 not cause the house to be on fire behind him defensively. But I totally get if that's the kind of guy you are sick of watching. That that is I totally get it. Swing and miss, generally bad at bats, uh long, long stretches of time where you are like, well, nothing coming here and are proven right. Uh, if that's a thing you were sick of going through, I do not blame you in the slightest. And you might like Tapia. You really might. If if you want those bad at-bats to end in contact, I think is sort of the difference here. Because uh, the the swing profile is hilarious. As I said, I went, I went through it. Um, top 10 contact rate on pitches outside of the zone. Top 12 contact rate on pitches in the zone. Uh, the definitive contact guy, a bit of a throwback guy to a different era. There's a great video on YouTube that I checked out yesterday that I really enjoyed about 11 minutes long called Ryan Maltapia is the best bad player in baseball. He just sort of is evocative of an era of the game and a type of player that doesn't really exist anymore. The guy who does the dirty work, the, the, the in the NBA terms, sort of the mid-range specialist that you are like, well, that's... Uh, a dying part of the game, but then it's also like, well, if you master it, and that's what teams want to give you, there is value in that. I don't know that he's mastered it. I think he, I don't think anybody wants weak contact and the ball going into the ground 60% of the time. But when he hits the ball hard, when he hits line drives, his like his value is astronomical. He just almost his 
biggest strength is his greatest weakness, where he put the putting the bat on the ball a lot of the time puts the ball in fair territory in a situation that doesn't help him a whole lot. But he's going to beat out some things with his legs. I also saw some conjecture that maybe he was, you know, intentionally um, just trying to put the ball in play more and 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 beat things out with his feet. Uh, like maybe it was a conscious choice at, at a certain point. Maybe I, I buy that maybe too. We'll see if the Jays can get that launch angle up. If he hit, if he can hit the ball up, uh, he was a very good player. So that's a lot of ifs. Regardless, they got they got Vladdy to stop doing it. As long as he's as innately talented as Vladdy, then all good. But yeah, the Gritchick discourse had been soured on. I hope people um, are happy. I guess I, I was gonna say I hope people can recognize that he's a player who played hard. Yada yada yada. Sacrifice. You don't have to care about that if you don't want to. I always think that's funny. People will like grandstand that like oh. Well, you got to respect that he came here and didn't complain. And, like, you don't really have to do that if you don't want to. It's his job is to come here and not complain. So if you don't want to give him credit for that, you do not have to do that. I will say I wouldn't be surprised. And this is obviously not not, obviously not connected. You know I'm not connected. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Randall Gritchick politely was like, hey, I'd like to play every day. Um, you're paying me $10 million a year to be a to be a guy that you expected to play every day. I've done the job for you. I'd like to play every day somewhere if we can help each other out. And I think this is what this is. Um, yeah. And that being said, we also don't, you know, the, the way things went down the stretch last year, I don't know that he loved being behind Dickerson in basically the pecking order. It doesn't, it didn't seem like it was as fun for him as it was for everybody else when they were making that run and it was predicated on him not playing at all. So I don't know that he was super jazzed about the part-time role here. And again, he will be a full-time guy in Colorado. That is it for two coffees for another week uh boy tons of fun to talk about the blue jays if you want more less than jays patreon.com slash less than jays we just started our brand new series uh jays of our lives which we go through and we talk about a different player every week we, one of us picks a player and we go back in time and revisit their career through the lens of hindsight i went first in week one and i picked eric scott hinsky here's a bit of what that sounded like Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Until pretty recently, every Jays season had an Eric Hinsky on it somewhere. That's a great way to phrase it. As like you get you get it. He's a middling guy that they got in exchange for somebody that we traded the way that we we liked quite a bit, a, a fan favorite. Um, and he was the guy that comes back and makes a great first impression, and then is basically league average. That's sort of almost exactly Eric Hinsky's the story. The story of his numbers in a bigger picture is he is almost exactly league average he was a blue jay from 2002 until 2006 guys like this don't play as long as he did anymore mm. he goes on to play 12 years he plays 1387 games two with boston one with tampa splits a year with pittsburgh in new york then four in atlanta half a season in arizona before retiring in 2013 11-year career 12-year career for eric Kinsky probably doesn't happen if he gets up 20 years later you can get that patreon.com slash less than Jays. That's the $9 tier. You get the extra shows. You get all kinds of extra stuff. The $5 tier, uh, if you like 
our old show, you want more of Jake and I rambling, full, longer mailbag answers, uh, every mailbag question asked and answered, uh, some extra discussion about our lives, all that extra stuff. That's in the $5 tier. Uh, I think it last time it was about 15 minutes longer, and the previous was 10, or flip those around, but 10 to 15 to 20 minutes more, depending on how active the mailbag is, every single week. And $3, just to be nice, you get the show's um, you get the f- regular feed show on Tuesday a day early and you get um, no ads if we ever pull down some ads for this. Some bitch, all that and more, as I said, patreon.com slash less than Jays. We are two patrons away from the fast food review. I will get in my car with a camera and record myself eating fast food and reviewing the fast food as an Arby's Reuben on the other side of town that I would love to go and get and talk to you about. If you want that, patreon.com slash less than Jays. If there's nothing else, I will talk to you Tuesday morning. Have yourself a great weekend. Thanks for stopping by for two coffees.